0: This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers, the books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, Today I'm going to cover Factfulness by Hans Rosling, 10 Reasons We're Wrong About the World and Why Things Are Better Than You Think. This is book 34 out of 52 for my 2019 reading list. Bill Gates called this one of the most important books he's ever read. He called it an indispensable guide to thinking clearly about the world. This episode will consist of three segments. First will be a brief introduction to the book, Why I Read It. Some information about the author and my initial reaction. Second segment, will I'll discuss some interesting things from the book, some of my my favorite things, and then the final segment is the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. So on to segment one. The author is Hans Rosling. He's born in 1948 in Sweden, and unfortunately passed away just a couple of years ago in February of 2017. He was a physician, an academic, and a public speaker, and he would travel around the world and, and give talks about really the state of the world. He he would use data uh, from from major organizations and and would show how the world was getting better and and how we thought of the world was was incorrect and not just incorrect but deeply flawed. And I'll get into that a little bit more in, in this episode, but uh, th- that's basically what this book is, uh, kind of what his talks were of, of describing the world, describing how most people get it wrong. In 2012, he was one of Time's 100 Most Influential P- People, and this book was, was released after, after his death. The structure of the book, it starts off in the introduction. It starts off with a 13-question quiz. So if you thought you were done with tests and quizzes when you when you got out of school, you're wrong because you're going to pick up this book after this episode, and you're going to get to the front, and you're going to see a quiz. And after the quiz, uh, there are 10 different chapters. And these chapters go through instincts that that Hans identifies as providing in a uh, incorrect worldview for you. These are instincts a lot of us have. And if we allow those instincts to take over, they they produce a skewed version of the world. After that, he provides a, a set of thinking tools to help you get the big pictures right. And on page 16, he says, you will be able to get the world right without learning it by heart. And so that's, that's his goal with this book is to, to give you a framework for thinking about the world, not, not to have you memorize the percentage of the world that is, is in poverty or extreme poverty, not that kind of thing, but, but just more generalized like uh, framework for, for thinking of the world. And so and it's a very helpful book in, in that sense. He talks about factfulness being a way of life, a, a, a way of, of approaching the world and, and living and I, I, one thing I was, I was kind of frustrated with was the, the tagline of the book. The tagline says, 10 reasons we're wrong about the world and why things are better than you think. Uh, as you'll see later in this episode, I think a better tagline would have been, are you smarter than a monkey? As for who suggested this book, Ralph de la Vega suggested it. Uh, I asked Ralph last year the, to, to if, if he could provide a list of the 10 books that impacted him the most in his life. And this was on that list. If you don't know who Ralph is, he is the person that Steve Jobs called when he was working at AT&T. So, so Ralph was a uh, CEO of, of mobility, uh, AT&T mobility. Steve Jobs called up Ralph De La Vega and, and said, Hey, I I, uh, I need to show you something. And so Ralph went and uh, Steve showed him the, the iPhone and, and Ralph's famous for for asking, where's the stylus? And Steve Jobs held up his finger and he said, this is the stylus. And uh, so Ralph, uh, with being with at and and if you remember back to the first iPhone, it was only available on at and And so Ralph was the person that that worked with with Steve and uh, was CEO at at and for, for many years, did, did many things. Uh, so, and this is one of the books that he said uh, impacted him the most. In his life. And as I read at the beginning there with uh, Bill Gates, Bill Gates also considers it to be one of the most important books he's ever read. I read this book from August 11th through the 14th of 2019. It's a 259 page book. uh, So that that put me around 86 pages per day. Took me five hours and 44 minutes to read the book. I say this all the time, but the average American watches watches four and a half hours of TV a day. So If that's you, if you don't do that, you could get through this book in about a day and a half of that non-TV watching time. As for my initial reaction for the book, this was a huge wake-up call. I was humbled. Uh, That quiz that I mentioned at the beginning of the book, there's 13 questions. I got five correct. Five out of 13. That's a 38%. That's an F-minus. And I I like to consider myself to be a a pretty smart guy. I I studied international business at the undergraduate and the graduate levels. I've traveled around the world. My first job out of college, I traveled to Latin America quite a bit. Uh, I've traveled to other parts of the world. And I like to think that I know what's going on in the world. And this book swept my feet from under me. I have no clue what's going on in the world. And it's a very important book. In that sense, as for who should read the book, uh, first off, educators. If you're going to be educating the next generation, uh, you need to know the world. You need to know what's what's actually happening in the world. Uh, business people, you need to know opportunities that could be there for your your business. And if you have the wrong uh, or incorrect worldview, that could be impacting where you're deciding to do business. Journalists, you are providing worldviews to people, and you need to have the correct worldview that, that, uh, that you're putting forth, and this book can help with that. But really, this is, this is a book for everybody, and I don't say that a lot. I, I've said it a few times this year at, for some of the books uh, uh, on this year's reading list, but this is really a book that everyone needs to read. It, it will humble you, uh, but it, it's important. It's a very important book. I mentioned that I had scored a 38% on the quiz that at the beginning of this book. Each of the 13 questions in that quiz contained three multiple choice answers. So you choose A, B, or C. That means that if I, if I were just to guess on those 13 questions, I would have gotten 33%. Just, just by guessing, the, the average would be 33%. And the author makes this point throughout the book by saying that if he if he read these questions out to monkeys and then there were three bananas in front of the monkey. And the first banana was labeled A, the second banana B, the third banana C. That monkey would score a 33% on this quiz. And so he, the author keeps saying that throughout the book. Now, now here's the amazing thing. The author has given this quiz to people all over the world. He's given it to Nobel laureates, professors, people who work at non-governmental organizations, teachers, and here's this is this is incredible nearly everyone who took the quiz scored below 30, 33%. They scored worse than the hypothetical monkeys. Now, if somebody scores worse than they would by just simply guessing, that means that they are operating on an incorrect Worldview. Again, these are questions dealing with the world, the way the world is, and people are scoring below 33%. Here, here's an example of, of one of the questions. This is question number seven How did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last hundred years? Again, how did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last hundred years? The answer options are A, more than doubled, B, remained about the same, or C, decreased to less than half. How did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last 100 years? The answer is C. Now, 10% of people picked the right answer to that question. He gave this quiz to, to over 14,000 people And 10%, one out of every 10 people got this right. Nine out of 10 got it wrong. And he continues, and even in the countries that did the best on this question, Finland and Norway, it was only 16%. As always, the full country ba- breakdown is in the appendix, which is, which is a really neat thing to look at uh, in this book. The chimpanzees who don't watch the news got 33%, as always. In fact, the number of deaths from, act- from acts of nature has dropped far below half. It is now just 25% of what it was 100 years ago. The human population increased by 5 billion people over the same period. So the drop in deaths per capita is even more amazing. It has fallen to just 6% of what it was 100 years ago. What's amazing about that is it's so different than, than what we think. and a, a, a lot of that is due to, to the news media, media that we see. Uh, anytime there is a disaster, uh, we, we, it's front and center no matter where it is in the world we, we know about it immediately and so that that has part to do it's it's one of the instincts that uh, that he talks about where where we get these things wrong but 10% of people around the world super bright people maybe not as bright people doesn't matter sometimes the 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 more educated the people were the worse they did on these questions so that was really shocking. I, I mean, it was shocking to me first, just to see my my own score, and then to see how scores around the world were worse than monkeys on almost every single one of these these questions. So here here are a few few other things I, I pulled from this book, uh, and, and the first thing I want to highlight are just things that I learned. So here's here's one. Uh, I, next year I'll be forty years old, and and. Here's something. Proportion of the global population living in extreme poverty has halved in the last 20 years. So me as an almost 40-year-old, this has happened in my lifetime. The proportion of the global population living in extreme poverty has been cut in half in just the last 20 years. Here's some more numbers. In 1960, 50% of humans lived in extreme poverty. 50%. This is is worldwide. In 1800, 85% of humans lived in extreme poverty. Guess what that percentage is today? Just guess. This this is people living on less than $2 per day. The answer is 9%. 9% of humans live in extreme poverty today. It was 50% just 60 years ago. Here's another one. 75% of humanity lives... In the gap. Well, what's the gap? Well, we often hear about the rich and the poor, the haves and the have, not, have nots, the first world versus third world. Here, here's what Hans says, page 38 The gap instinct is very strong. The first time I lectured to the staff of the World Bank was in 1999. I told them the labels developing and developed were no longer valid, and I, sw- and, and I swallowed my sword. Uh, I'm taking myself out of the quote here for a second, <laughs> one of the things Hans would would often do is swallow a sword. Uh, you know, you lean your your neck back and and, and put a sword down it, and it, he would do that for the classes he taught and and just when he would give speeches to 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 kind of show you know things that you don't expect are possible, and and that's kind of how he would lead in into his thing. So that's that's the reference there, um, where he says. I told them the labels developing and developed were no longer valid, and I swallowed my sword. It took the World Bank 17 years and 14 more of my lectures before it finally announced publicly that it was dropping the terms developing and developed and would from from now on divide the world into four income groups. The UN and most most other global organizations have still not made this change. Here's a few other things I learned. Uh, Did you know that 1,600 people died due to Fukushima. Remember the, uh, Fukushima plant and the tsunami, 1600 people died, but here's the kicker. And I quote, people escaped the province as fast as they could, but 1600 more people died. It was not the leaking radioactivity that killed them. Not one person has yet been reported as having died from the very thing that people were fleeing from. These 1,600 people died because they escaped. They were mainly old people who died because of the mental and physical stresses of the evacuation itself or of life in, in evacuation shelters. It wasn't radioactivity, but the fear of radioactivity that killed them. That, that was incredible. Uh, I mean, there, there was so much news about Fukushima and, and no one has, has died from the, the radio, radioactivity and here's kind of a funny one. Uh, Hans was at an event one time and Al Gore was there and, and Al was, was talking to Hans and he said, we need to create fear around climate change. And Hans said, no, you don't. You, you need to give facts and you need, you need to give the correct facts. And uh, he, he related the story of, of talking to Al Gore about that. So it was pretty funny. Next thing I want to highlight is just the importance of this book. Why, why should you read this or, or why is it an important book? And, and again, as I mentioned before, it, it provides the framework as opposed to just, here's some, some, set, set, of, here's some set of information. Uh, no, it's more of a framework to help you think about the world. Another reason it's important is it'll help you when you're listening to people to know if they're operating from a correct mindset uh, that, that's more in line with the data as opposed to the way things were 60 years ago. And you see a lot of charts in this book, a lot of a lot of uh, information that that shows how the the way people thought sixty years ago uh, it it was based on some facts, but um, those facts have changed and and mindsets have not adapted. Another reason this is an important book, uh, especially if if you're in business. Here's a uh, here's here's a paragraph I want to read. Are you working for a commercial company on level four, and and this is level four income? So he. So Hans describes instead of the rich and the poor or the developed and developing, uh, he divides people into four income income groups and says that's a better way of, of looking at the world. So level four would be the top income group. So he says, are you working for a commercial company on level four? There's a great risk you're missing the majority of your potential consumers and producers because of your generalizations. Are you working in finance and a big bank? There's a great risk you are investing your client's money in the wrong places because you're bundling together people who are vastly different. So again, just uh, important for your your own mindset, but also if you're running a business or... Uh, if you're educating people, if you are in charge of a organization trying to help people, it, it it's good to have the right set of uh, of, of stats and, and facts in front of you. Another thing I want to highlight here is uh, on education, and here's here's a few quotes. This these are all from page two forty nine. What you learn about the world at school will become outdated within ten or twenty years of graduating. When the facts about the world that you were taught in school and universities becomes out of date, you should get a letter, too, saying, Sorry, we taught you. What we taught you is no longer true. Please return your brain for a free upgrade. End quote. I thought this was hilarious, and it tied in with a book from last year's list of Robot Proof by Joseph Aoun. And he's the president at Northeastern University. And and he talked about that that lifelong engagement uh, with universities uh, of of. You go to college, but but things are changing so fast now that uh, that it should be a lifelong thing. You should you should continue to be able to go back to college to to upgrade your brain. Uh, and, he, and he talks about different ways of of universities tapping into that and, and being there for people throughout their throughout their life, being a true alma mater, a, a comforting mother. So uh, that that was an, a neat connection to, to to the book last year. He he didn't mention it, but. Um, but uh, that's something that Joseph Owen talks about quite a bit as well. Final thing I'd like to talk about in this section is, is news. He talks a lot about journalism and, and news and how it, it hurts in, in, in having a correct view of the world. Because a murder is going to take precedence over uh, hundreds of airplanes that didn't crash that day. So slow improvements are not going to make the news. But... Bad things, uh, calamities, those types of things are going to make the news. And it's really hard to decipher between the things that uh, that are improving and, and are not. So here's uh, here's a, a section that um, a paragraph on page 211. Our press may be free and professional and truth seeking, but independent is not the same as representative. Even if every report itself is completely true. We can still get a misleading picture through the sum of true stories reporters choose to tell. The media is not and cannot be neutral, and we shouldn't expect it to be, end quote. He does a great job of, of not blasting the news media or, or journalists. He says, you know, by the, by the results of these, these quizzes uh, the, um, around the world, we're all operating from an incorrect worldview, and journalists are doing the same. And so... Perhaps they need uh, an upgrade of, of their brains as much as, uh, as, much as everyone else. Uh, but there were some, some really important things said about news media and then also just of, of your own consumption of, of news media and, and trying to, to make it slow media versus fast. And fast being the constant 24-hour cycle, uh, but taking a step back, trying to learn maybe the backstory of the issues and, and, and go slower with it as opposed to always being on the news. Now on to segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. And it's this, it's a a quote on page 155. The main factor that affects how people live is not their religion, their culture, or the country they live in, but their income. Again, the main factor that affects how people live is not their religion, their culture, or or the country they live in, but their income. Further on uh, page 201, He says this, I'm going to read this, this paragraph. I strongly believe that liberal democracy is the best way to run a country. People like me who believe this are often tempted to argue that democracy leads to, or is even a requirement for other good things like peace, social progress, health improvement and economic growth. But here's the thing, and it is hard to accept. The evidence does not support this stance of the 10 countries with the fastest economic growth in 2016, Nine of them score low on democracy, end quote. This, this was one of those shockers, I guess. Uh, I've, I've always kind of thought that religion and culture and the country that someone lives in are the main determinants of, of how they do in life. But he says, no, it's, it, it has more to do with their, their income and he would show photos from from different countries and he'd say people with this type of income this is how they cook their food this is the type of sleeping arrangement they have and he would show that for for different countries and based on their income those the their income is going to ha- make more of a difference in how these how people live than their religion culture or country he would even go into things like how many, how many babies does the average woman have in different cultures, uh, women of different religions? And, and we often go to those things as, well, if, if, if a woman is of this religion, then she's going to have more babies. Or if, if someone's of this culture, they're going to behave this way. And he said, the most important determining factor is income. So again, this is just something, an, another outdated worldview that, that I held that, that was exposed through this book. So to recap, this book made me think of a class I had in my first year of grad school. And I I walked into the class and the the teacher said, everything you think is wrong. That's how he started off the class. And it was, he was one of the best teachers I ever had. He was not a professor. He didn't have a PhD, but he was an entrepreneur. He taught entrepreneurship, but he had lived entrepreneurship. He had gone bankrupt. He had started a company. He had made millions. He had gone bankrupt. He had had gone through the whole thing. He was not teaching entrepreneurship from a textbook. He was teaching from experience. And he just, I tell people, he flipped my brain upside down. But that was one of the most powerful things he said that first day of class. Everything you think is wrong. And maybe not everything you think is wrong, but it's important to, to have that mindset every now and then, especially when you come across a book like this, like Factfulness, where you may think you know a lot about the world. And what's great is you're not alone here. Like if you fail the quiz at the beginning of this book, and and I will link to it. It's it's online as well. This quiz, so I'll link to it in the show notes. You can you can take it yourself, and please let me know what you get on on the quiz. But everyone does very poorly on this quiz. No one has ever scored a hundred percent. No one got all the questions right of the 14,000 plus people that took, took the quiz. This book will help you identify where things, where you, where you are operating from a backward mindset. And then also will help you recognize when, when people you're listening to are, are operating from a backwards mindset, you'll start to see it all over, uh, whether it's, it's a reporter, um, a ceo uh from a report they're giving in so this book will help you do that as well it'll also challenge you it'll make you think and it will hopefully change your views as well that's going to do it for this episode before i signed off you can share your reading list on the books of titans website just go to books of titans.com forward slash my books it'll i'll lay out the books in a really stunning format. You can take screenshots of that and share it on, on social platforms. Oftentimes when I share my reading list, uh, the, the photos of the, of the, of the book covers, people ask where, where what program are you using for that? And, And it's, it's on my website and you can share your reading list on that website as well. I found that to be a great way to have accountability to keep on your reading list. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of the past episodes through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give give it a, a rating on iTunes and share your favorite episodes on social media. I'll be back next week with another book. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.